Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. I have two, two texts today, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, then John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And I am kind of guilty, I'll be honest with you, of reading John chapter 1 a lot, of teaching from John chapter 1 a lot. It is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. If you read Jesus first, Jesus always, you will know that kind of the crux of the book uh, is found in this text. And, and I, I find that I keep coming back to this text regularly. Uh, because it's, it, there's so much truth there about who Jesus is, uh, who he was destined to be, and who he wants to be in our lives. But let's start with Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says this. The people who walk... Okay, so real quick, Isaiah 9. This is, this is hundreds of years before Jesus is even born. It says this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Can I get an amen from someone today? Someone say, a light will shine. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. Now this is talking about Jesus. And though the and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I want to talk to you today for just a few minutes, an idea that is simply called a light will shine. A light will shine. Father, thank you for your presence and your goodness today. Uh, we pray in Jesus name that in this moment, whatever point in our life that we're experiencing right now, uh, whether it be something that's victorious or perhaps, Lord, an, an uphill struggle in some area of difficulty or challenge that seems like it's overwhelming us or even winning, uh, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would let the spirit of Christmas, what we're about to talk about, what we just read about, let the light of Jesus overwhelm us so much with your goodness and your mercy and your love. And the reason that you came to earth would be so evident to us in our spirit that we would have confidence, God, Lord, that if we're in a season of victory, that it is not us that attain that victory. It is you, Lord, that if we're in a season of struggle, Lord, that it is not us that will overcome that struggle and win. It is you, 
Lord, this has always been about you and it always will be about you. So today, let the name of Jesus be lifted up in this place and let us leave here more encouraged than we were when we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. You know, Christmas time is a time where we see a lot of stories, uh, we hear a lot of songs, we see a lot of images that really warm our hearts. Uh, we hear about acts of generosity that are touching. Uh, if anyone has Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything like that, I, don't, I never knew there were this many Christmas movies, but there are apparently thousands of Christmas movies. Uh, and my daughter and my wife, and, and actually both of my daughters and my wife are just obsessed with Christmas movies. And they just scroll endless seas of menus of Christmas films, uh, elves, uh, angel children coming from heaven to save distorted families, uh, uh, you know, reindeer films everywhere. Santa is... You know, a girl, you know, the, the elves are, are, you know, sent to live with humans. It's just, it's every, every imaginable, and they're all, you know, fun. They're, they're, they're touching, even, even scenes of the nativity everywhere. It's inspiring. Uh, we're, we're inspired by all these heartwarming tales that make us feel good or, or emotional. And I, I'm afraid that if, if we do not take... The Christmas story, literally, as literally as we possibly can, and we do not consider the weight and the significance and the value and the importance of this story in a very real way. And by the way, life is meant to be lived in seasons. There's a reason why we live in seasons. There's a reason why there is... Uh, a summer, and there is a reason why that leads to the fall where things begin to die that have grown, and we go into that season of winter where it's barren and it's bitter, and then spring comes around and, and life starts coming up again. There's a reason why there is a pace, and Christmas time, the subject of the incarnation of Jesus is very important in the pace of our lives as Christians as we get into after this is over with, we get into the season of Easter where we're considering the significance of, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That is an important buildup in the yearly pace of our life. So too is the incarnation important for us to not just consider three days before Christmas, but a whole season where we're considering what that means in order that it can become real in our lives. And if we're not careful, the story of Christmas... The real story of Christmas, the story of God becoming a man in the form of a little baby, becomes just another heartwarming tale to us. It becomes just another aww moment for us. And we can, if we're not careful, we'll put it in the same category as all the other movies and all the other scenes that just sort of touch our hearts. And we read on Facebook all these acts of generosity. It's wonderful. It's great, but if we're not careful, we categorize this into those areas and it loses the power and its value. Can I just tell you something today? The incarnation. You say, what is the incarnation? It's from the Latin word carnate, which means flesh. It means that God, the creator of the universe, 
physically and literally in every way became an actual human being and clothed himself in flesh. Can you imagine making everything and you see that the people that you love, that you have created, that you love so much, you made it all for your glory and you wanted them to glorify you. They were so lost that you couldn't simply just go poof. That's not, that's not who God is. He didn't want to just go poof, let me fix everything. He said, I have to become one of them. In order for them to be redeemed and to be bought back to me and to have the kind of fellowship with me that I desire, I have to become one of them. He didn't say, you have to do something that I will not do. He could have. He is holy. He is perfect. He is worthy. He has never sinned one time. He is flawless. That is who he is. He could have said, you do something that I don't have to do. But no, he did something he didn't have to do. He stepped down from the glory of heaven to earth. Christmas is about the incarnation. I grew up in Alabama and everyone always used to say, what incarnation is that? I never knew that they were actually trying to say what in the entire nation. I promise you, look up the etymology. They were trying. <laughs> I never knew. I didn't know what tar nation. I thought it was a, a nation with tar on it. I have no idea what, that, what I thought that was. What in the entire nation is that? But I didn't know what the incarnation was when I was a kid. I heard the incarnation. I thought it was like the incarnation. You know, I didn't know what it was. I was a little kid. I got older. I started studying the incarnation. Someone say incarnation. It's a weird sounding word. But today, my hope is that when you leave this service or you click off of Facebook later and you go on with the rest of your day, I hope you understand the doctrine, and that's a set of beliefs that we have that we live our lives by. Doctrine. You have doctrines in your life. Every person has a doctrine that they live by. I hope that the doctrine of the incarnation is as real to you and as important to you when you leave this service as it ever has been, because we can't live our lives effectively for Christ without it. We have to have a correct doctrine of the incarnation that God actually became a man. Someone say, God actually became a man. I know, I know it sounds elementary, but say it again. Say, God actually became a man. Here's why this is important. It's one of the things that separates Christianity from every other religion. From every other religion, no other religion would ever dare say that God, who is holy and who is supreme and above all things, would ever lower himself down to that level. It even separates Christianity from Judaism and from Islam, the other monotheistic faiths. Christianity stands on its own with the doctrine of the incarnation. So if we're building our lives around a strong faith, that is biblically accurate, 
And you say, well, where's, where's the inspiration here today? Oh, I hope this inspires you. I hope it inspires you to know that something that actually happened can be the backbone of our life. I hope it inspires you every day when you get up that you believe that God loved you enough. He loved you enough. I'm trying, I mean, I sat there trying to think of analogies today of, of what it might mean to step down from heaven and to become a man. I, I can't even think of anything. I mean, I, I try to think of things as ridiculous as, you know, living in a penthouse and you've got room service all the time and you go down and you give everything away and you're living under a bridge. I, 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 but I, I couldn't even come up with anything that's even close because it's, it's God who is infallible making himself vulnerable. And so so it's, a different, it's a different level. This is the foundational underpinning of everything that we believe. I mean, okay, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I hear people all the time, they're like, well, I, I doubt the resurrection's possible. I'm, I'm like, you want to start doubting the resurrection? How about if you're logical, doubt the virgin birth? I mean, I'm not trying to give you excuses to not believe in God, but you're upset about the resurrection? Let's backtrack. They're like, I doubt the miracles of Christ could have happened. How about the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin? The incarnation is the greatest miracle that has ever taken place in the history of the world. What I'm trying to tell you is if God really was born through a virgin, if he really came from heaven to earth, how could you ever doubt his miracles? If God really became a man and was born of a virgin, a little baby in a manger, and he told shepherds in the field and put a star in the sky for the wise men to follow, if he really was this child on whom the Holy Spirit dwelled within and on him for, for his whole life, then how could you ever doubt the resurrection? But if you're looking for a place to doubt, I suggest you start with the incarnation. But I actually suggest that you don't doubt the incarnation. Because there's no place to build our lives if this is not real. That's why... When we look in the New Testament and we see genealogies, this person begat this person, begat this person, begat this person. It's just begats, begats, begats. You're like, man, I wanted to read the Bible for encouragement today. And it's just begats, begats, begats. <laughs> That's why when it ends up with Jesus, after 4,000 different people that it mentions, why do you think that's there? The answer is because it happened. It's a factual telling of historical information that Jesus actually was born. And he really came from the, the person that the Bible says that he came from, from the Virgin Mary. It goes all the way down. The God of the universe literally became a human being. As John chapter 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us he knows what this world feels like yeah. 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. And and it means that, that Jesus knows what it feels like to try to get home and there's a sinkhole in front of your house. Can I get an amen from someone that lives in St. Cloud? (laughs) It means that Jesus knows what it feels like to be tempted. It says he was in all points tempted. That's why the incarnation is so important. Is that the word became flesh. And that word incarnation, it, it reminds us of carnal. And we think of carnality. We think of our flesh and how vulnerable we are to temptation. How vulnerable we are to say the wrong thing or to do the wrong thing. You know, I, I, I went to pull into a parking spot at the mall. Y'all ain't ready for this. So I'm looking for a parking spot. Maybe, maybe 17 minutes I'm looking for a parking spot. I finally see one. No, it wasn't a motorcycle. You know how frustrating that is, right? You know you're tempted to cuss, but you're a Christian when you see that motorcycle. You're a, you don't do it. You say in Jesus' name, I take control over these thoughts when you see that motorcycle sticking out. But what I'm about to tell you is a totally different level. I finally find a space. I go to pull in. There's a dude. I went. I I didn't even know what to say. I rolled up my window and said, do you need help? He went, not going to happen. Okay, I'm going to get back to the scriptures here. I'm not going to tell you how this ended. But what I'm trying to tell you today, and I know you think I'm actually going to tell you, but I'm not. What I'm trying to tell you is Jesus can relate Jesus can relate Justin and Amanda their little baby boy Kai needs a miracle right now he's extremely sick the feeling that Pastor Justin has and that Pastor Amanda has I've had that feeling it's so vulnerable when your child is sick One of the darkest moments of my entire life is when I had just become a senior pastor. I found out my son was sick. They thought he had cancer. They they said all kinds of things they thought he had. I didn't know how to respond. It was beyond something I could control or fix. And I locked myself in a closet like a wimp. I failed. I failed in my faith. Luckily, God loves me enough that he doesn't give up on people. And he shined a light in my darkness, but 
What I'm trying to tell you is that, Justin, Jesus, the incarnation is so he can understand. He understands what, what Kai feels. He understands what you feel. He understands what I feel. The incarnation is about Jesus understanding. Not just relating, he went through it. But he won. And he had victory over all the things that we have failed in. Can I get a praise today? Let's give some praise to the Lord. Why is this important? Why, why am I up here banging on this topic today? That you must believe in the incarnation. You must believe in the, in, in the incarnation. Because it flies, the, the, the incarnation flies in the face of all of the modern thought processes that people live their lives by and form their worldviews around. Moralism. That, that's, that's a prevailing thought in our world, moralism. That if you're just a good person. Have you ever tried to talk to someone about Christ and they start defending how good they are? You start telling, well, you know what? I, that's fine. I'm a good person. I already do things. I already help people. I already change the world. I already blah, blah, blah. I don't hurt anyone. I'm not, I don't do drugs. I've never killed anyone. I mean, people just go down the list of all the things. Well, that's, that's moralism. The incarnation destroys the concept of moralism. What the incarnation says is it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how great you are. You're not good enough to save anything. Relativism tells us that in the, in the world that we live in, you just do your thing. I'll do my thing. And, and, and you just try to live the best, your best life. I'll try to live my best life. You have your set of views. I have my set of views. I don't need that doctrine. But what you don't realize is relativism is a doctrine. A weak one. See, if God, if Yahweh, if Jehovah was the God of moralism or relativism, he never would have caused the incarnation to take place. He wouldn't have cared. He would have said, if it's just about moralism, I don't need to, I don't need to send my son to earth to become a man. I could just go, oh, well, they'll try their best. They're going to be in heaven with me. If it was relativism that everyone lives the life that they want to live, he never would have bothered, but he did. He sent his son Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, why? Why did he do it? Well, I started out the very first thing I read, Isaiah 9, 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. We were the ones that were living in the land of darkness. The light did not come from within. We don't have the ability to illuminate anything. Why? There's no light in us. We're born into sin. We're born into darkness. We're born in a hopeless world that needed the light of Jesus. That's why John calls him the light. That's why Jesus called himself the light. We have no ability. If you are in a dark room and you have no tools, you have nothing to create a fire, you are lost unless a light shines into that room. And you can't see anything in a dark room. I know because I split my forehead open at a hotel this year. Thank you, Justin. 
Apparently, the image of this is very vivid to you. Was there blood in your dream? Okay, there was blood in your dream. Well, you actually saw it correctly then. <laughs> there's no darkness. I mean, there's no light in, in, in darkness. You need light to come into that darkness to illuminate enough where you can see. I mean, John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. I talk about this a little bit at the beginning of my book. Jesus first, Jesus always, that there was a time when people did not understand vision where they actually thought that light emitted from our eyes. They, they did, and, and I'm talking about this was embraced in the world of science by the greatest thinkers of the day, thought that light came out of our eyeballs and shined on something and we could see it because of the light that was coming out of our eyes. Obviously, that's not true. And we've learned over time that light reflects from an outside source onto an object and back into our eyes, which allows us the ability to perceive and to see. And that's exactly what happened with Christ. We were blind. We were born in darkness. Jesus is the only thing that allows us to see. He is the light. That is what the incarnation is all about. It's about light coming into the darkness. We were born lost and hopeless. Guys, we don't have the ability through programs and ideas and conversations to change the world. We cannot change the world effectively outside of anything other than the person that is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says this, And his, his fullness fills you even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. Me and my son the other day, we just had a day where we hung out and we went out and we played some, some uh, mini golf. We went and had some sushi together. It was just a really fun day. We were having a good time. We started talking about salvation. He, he brought up, how are we saved? You know, tell me a little bit about, Dad, what, what you think it means to be saved. I was like, okay. So started having these conversations. I started talking about this scripture. The fact that either salvation is something that we figured out and we earned through our behavior, or it is something that was given to us as a gift. And the Bible tells us that it is a gift given to us by grace, through faith. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but it says you were once like corpses. Look at someone next to you and say, corpses don't do that much. Dead in your sins and offenses. Somebody say, dead in my sins. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark, the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority, that's the enemy, and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth, this is dark stuff, y'all. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of ourself. We live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. I love this. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were dead and doomed 
in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. He raised... Does this sound like something that we did or something that He did? He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. An article came out in the New York Times a few years ago, that, and it said this right here. It said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. Okay, let's, let's listen to that one more time. The meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us. And if we think hard enough and come together enough and see what we're capable of, we have the ability through Christmas time of changing the world one person at a time. We can overcome poverty, injustice, violence, evil. If we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. Can I just tell you something right now? Christmas is actually a time for us to not think this way. Christmas is a time for us to remember that we are hopeless without the living hope that is Jesus. Christmas is the most unsentimental, realistic way of looking at life. It doesn't say cheer up. If we all pull together, we can make the world better play, a better place. It doesn't say if we try hard enough, we can fix everything. In fact, what it says is this. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We were living in a dark land and Jesus came and became flesh to shine his light on our darkness. It's the only hope we have. We can't change the world through programs. We can't change the world through ideologies. We can't change the world by trying hard enough. The only thing that has the power to truly change people from the inside is that person, Jesus, that came and made himself a human being at Christmas time and came as a little child. That light dawned on a dark world. I like that. He's using the sun as a symbol. Let's talk about the sun for just a second. See, it's a dark world. We need the sun. The sun does three main things I want to touch on. So th this light that has shined on us. The sun gives us life. Can I get an amen? amen? If the sun went out, we'd freeze. The sun is the source of all light. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being. We have no control over the sun. We rely on it for life. If it went out, we would go out. And in the same way, Acts 17 tells us, in him we live and move and have our being. You're not here and you're not alive. You're not breathing today because you worked out or you ate good or someone did this or someone did that or you avoided you know, th that bus that was coming at you and you're so smart and quick and fun and amazing. You're, you're, none of those things are why you're here today. You're here today because of him. In him we live and move and have our being. You're borrowing your being from him. It's not only true of your body, but your spirit and your soul. So we need to recognize this light as the one that gives us life. Someone look up at heaven and say, you give me life. 
That's something Christmas and the incarnation should teach us today. Jesus, you give me life. I'm here because of you. It's all because of you. It's not because of me. Another thing the sun does is it shows us the truth. Can you imagine getting out in your car and driving down a road at nighttime with your headlights off? What a nightmare that would be. What, is the, what, is, what, are, what does light do? It illuminates truth. It shows us what's in front of us. It shows us what's around. We no longer have to walk around in the darkness. But the, sh- the sun shows us the truth. Jesus is the source of all truth. That's why John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, and then also, the last thing I'd like to say about the incarnation to, do, to you today is, let this be beautiful, because the sun is also beautiful. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. Is there anything more beautiful in, in all of creation than a, than a sunrise or a sunset? When the sky begins to be blended with all these beautiful colors, the pinks and the oranges and the blues, or just even, did you know that, that in some countries or some places where the days are shortened and there's only a few hours of sunlight per day, did you know that it's, it's drastic and dramatic. If you study psychology, how many people that live in those places become clinically depressed. Why? We need light. Can I get an amen from someone? We need, we need the light of the incarnation in our lives. I hope this becomes real to you today. I hope this becomes something that you are inspired by today. He's beautiful. Let him be beautiful today. Psalm to you. Psalm 27, David said, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. Let him be your life today. Let that baby, baby Jesus, be your life today. Let the incarnation be your truth today. Let the incarnation be the beauty all of this world that you see all through the lens of who Jesus is all through this doctrine this way of living our life that is called the incarnation we believe that Jesus became a man God became a man I'm going to close with 1 John 1 verses 1 through 10 it says this that which was from the beginning which we have heard check it out y'all we've heard We've seen with our eyes. We have looked at and our hands have touched. By the way, I mean, I'm supposed to quit preaching here, but I read once that this is basically a deposition. I read a theologian that was studying this particular scripture. The language that is being used here about seeing, hearing, touching, it's all the language of a courtroom deposition of someone swearing with everything in them that they have seen this. It says, we've heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked at with our hands, we've touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness. 
If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So today I encourage you today, realize you can't save yourself. You never could. That's why we needed a savior. We needed God incarnate to come down and be born in human flesh, to be able to live the life that we could not live successfully and be able to please God. And then to do what he also didn't have to do is after living the perfect life that deserved no punishment, he stepped in and took our punishment so that we could be reconnected to God. Oh man, the incarnation, what a powerful doctrine to start building the foundation of our faith on. I hope you celebrate it today. I hope you embrace it today. I hope you realize that light has come into our darkness. Light has shone into our darkness. We have something to celebrate today. He gives us life. He gives us truth. He gives us hope. He gives us beauty. He gives us joy. He gives us encouragement. Let's live in the light today. Amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.